You're listening to podcast audio from Radiant Church, located in Bay City, Michigan. For more information on Radiant Church, you can check us out on www.radiantbc.com or follow us on social media at Radiant Bay City. Awesome. What's up, Radiant Church? You guys feeling well this morning? Doing well, yeah? Awesome. Happy New Year. It's 2023, out with the old and with the new. If you're new with us this morning, my name is Marco. I am the lead pastor here. Welcome. We're so glad that you decided to spend some time out of your crazy, frantic, busy schedules to worship with us. Nothing better than being in the presence of God with others who are like-minded in the pursuit of getting to know more of Jesus. Amen, church? So we are so glad that you are with us. Uh, this new year. Today we are beginning our annual Seek series. We, we do this every single January. It's one way that we can recalibrate our hearts to the things of God. You know, the holiday season gets really, really busy, and we become so distracted with the preparations for Christmas and the cookies and the extra carbs and the parties and the gatherings. And Seek is just a time for us as we begin the new year to just breathe a bit, to breathe it, to reevaluate our schedules, that's really important, and to once again to begin to prioritize the things of God in our life. You know, I like to say this, seek is an offering to the Lord. It's one way that we say, God, here is the first part of the year. It belongs to you, and we give God the first and the best. That's what we do as believers. Let's not give God scraps. We don't give him leftovers. We give him the first and the best, because that's what he deserves. You are worthy of it all. We sing that. So if we're really going to believe those words, listen, that's what we do as we gather for seek. The emphasis is always on praying and fasting. Uh, let me just say something for a, a few moments on the issue of Bible reading, because some of you have asked me about Bible reading plans. So I want to encourage you and recommend something for you. You know, the... Um, the number one indicator or future predictor of spiritual health is the habit of daily Bible reading. It's the number one predictor of spiritual health. I wanted to make a quick recommendation. It's called the Bible Recap. I've been going through this. This is uh, now, what, day seven or day eight for me right now. And you can download this on Uversion. This is a one-year chronological study. So right now, I'm actually in the book, the book of Job. I think just early this morning, I did... Um, Job 15, I don't know, 15 through 18 or whatever it was. And also accompanying this, there's a podcast that you can listen to, and it gives you kind of a commentary and a summary of what you read. If you're one of those people who read through the Bible and you're like, huh, what did I just read? I don't know. Okay, off to my next thing, right? Well, the summary is a great way to give you a Bible recap. It's about seven or eight minutes long. Every single day you get one of these. You get to listen to it on your way to work in your quiet time. So it's about a 20-minute investment of reading and listening. Now, pair that with, hear me, church, pair that with about another 15 minutes of maybe journaling. If you don't like to journal, that's okay. I, I do. Journaling and, and prayer. And you've got about 35 to 40 minutes of a quiet time with the Lord. Now, some of you are saying, you don't know my schedule, and I am just so busy, because everybody like, likes to say that. I'm so busy. How are you doing? I'm so busy, right? We love to call ourselves busy. It's just like a stamp that we put ourselves, uh, put on ourselves. Here's the thing. About 35 minutes is about 2% of your day. Wow. Someone say, wow. Yeah, thank you. Not, now you're participating. About 2% of your day. What if you just gave God 2% of your day every single day this year? The, what type of difference would that make in 2023? Come on, someone. Yeah, I'm preaching right now. I am. I am. Right? What would happen if you just gave God 2%? I'm not even saying 10%, but just 2% of your day, maybe 3% of your day, what type of difference would that be? And you might say, I don't have time. Yes, you do. You have time to eat. You have time to pray and read the Bible, okay? Well, listen, church, um, as I was praying about what would the focus be for our Seek series, I do believe the Lord spoke to me uh, by his Holy Spirit, 
And this is my prayer request. It is threefold. And I'm asking you if you would join me in these prayer requests as well. Of course, you can pray about the pressing things that are urgent in your life. But would you also pray with me on these things? Here's my prayer request, what the Lord gave me. That the lost would be found, that discipleship would begin at home, and that the slumbering church at large would be awakened. If you're on YouTube land right now, you can clap in the middle of your living room. I give you permission to. That the lost would be found, that lost people would come to know Jesus here at Radiant Church. I want lost people to come to know Jesus here at our church, outside of the walls of Radiant Church, because you're going to be sharing the gospel. You're going to be testifying to the goodness of Jesus when you're out and about at the workplace, when you're doing your thing, when you're at school. Whatever you do, when you're serving people in your area of expertise, you're going to be sharing the light of Christ with them. And people are going to come to faith. Uh, I believe that. That discipleship would begin at home. I want to call out the fathers that Fathers would refuse to be passive because men are passive these days. That is the sin of men. The sin of women is control. They want to control everything. The sin of man is passivity. You Don't laugh at it. It's in the scripture. You can read it. Okay, this is true. Okay, men are passive. Women want to control everything. This is what we see in the book of Genesis. This is not a joke. I'm serious right now. And I want to, I want to listen, I want men to receive, refuse to be passive that they would be the, the spiritual heads of their homes like God has called us to be. Yeah, that's good. That is good. Listen. And that discipleship would begin at home with your children, and then that you as husband and wife would also be discipled by, again, daily Bible reading and then time in prayer and practicing the Sabbath maybe, maybe silence and solitude. Discipleship begins at home. And then at large, the church, the slumbering church would be awakened, that those who are just sort of going through the motions, you know what I mean, who just sort of punch the clock when it comes to their their faith, they would be awakened and uh, they would begin to live on mission for Jesus Christ. Amen, church? Can we can we pray for those three things, though, uh, and, and this, in these next few weeks that that the loss would be found, discipleship would begin at home, listen, and that the slumbering church would be awakened. Hallelujah. I'm feeling it right now. It doesn't seem like it because I'm really tired, but I'm feeling it right now, okay? In its very simplest form, let me give you a definition of what prayer is. Prayer is simply communication and communion with God, with God, with God, not just with yourself. Because a lot of people are defining prayer as good vibes, that's wrong. Prayer is not, I'm thinking positive thoughts. It's wrong. Prayer is not, I'm speaking to the universe. The universe ain't going to do jack for you. Wrong. Okay, the God who created the universe, he's the one that wants to speak to you and meet with you, okay? I want to clarify this among all the ideologies of our day and the TikTok theologians that we see now emerging, right? all the followers, it's all the buzz right now these days, kids, right? You know this. Prayer is simply, one author, Pete Craig, has said that prayer is simply asking God for help. Isn't that an easy definition? Just asking God for help. God, I need your help. God, I need your help. Prayer, Pastor Lee Cummings has said this, prayer is the thing our souls long for and our souls are in desperate need of. Did you know that you were created for relationship with, the heavenly, with your heavenly Father? You were created, God made you, listen, to thrive in relationship with him. Isn't that amazing? Your soul is longing for it. You need it, actually. Uh, Many of you saw this week in the headlines, um, on the news, internet articles, blogs, YouTube, you name it. So many of us saw this. The news reports of the Buffalo Bills football star, Damar Hamlin, who collapsed on the field from a cardiac arrest, I believe it was, after a routine tackle against the Cincinnati Bengals. You guys see that news report this week? Yeah? A few of you saw it? And um, I don't know if you saw this, but it really shook up the team, didn't it? I mean, many of the players were were in tears. Many of the players were just really shaken up by this event about, you know, their colleague, their friend and teammate, who they were just afraid of what, what, what was going to happen uh, to him. So they were visibly sh- shaken up. Now, listen, um, 
I don't know if you noticed this, but so many of the team and the coaches took a posture of prayer on the field. They took a posture of prayer on the field. And I don't know, I don't know this. I don't know if, if every single one of those players has a relationship with Jesus. I don't know if those coaches have a relationship with Jesus Christ. But what I do know is this. I do know that on the inside of us, there is something that every single one of us recognize that in times of trouble, there is a need to call upon the power of someone greater that is beyond us, right? And we do this, we do this in and through prayer. We do this in and through prayer because prayer is not talking to yourself about, I can do it, I'm so good enough, I'm smart enough and doggone it, people like me. That's not prayer, right? Prayer is, listen, pursuing the Father heart of God. It's communion with him. And I love what I saw on the football field on that Monday night football, because in a world, we live in a world that is so, so obsessed with being politically correct. We are so afraid to offend other people, and we don't want anyone's feelings to be hurt. Um, I, I just thought it was amazing that the players couldn't care less of what people thought about them as they hit their knees in prayer. I loved seeing that. And in some sense, that was a bit of a wake-up call, perhaps, for the church. That a group of grown men in spandex, listen, can, can pray in public. We can also pray in public, right? We can also live our lives of faith in the public sphere. David says this in Psalm 18, verse 3. He says, I called to the Lord, who is worthy of praise. We just... We just got done singing that song. You are worthy of it all, right? Here it is, right here. Worthy of praise, and I have been saved from my enemies. Friends, just a, a few verses later, David says this. In my distress, in my trouble, my turmoil, David says, I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. From his temple, he what? Heard my voice. Heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. When we cry out to the Lord in prayer, sometimes that's what prayer is, you guys. It's, it's just a cry. We don't have words. We just cry out to him in tears. And the Lord hears us. And those prayers do not fall on deaf ears. I'm so, aren't you glad about that? They do not fall on deaf ears. But God hears us. And then he begins to move and to work on our behalf, behind the scenes. It's amazing. That's what prayer is. Now, on the other hand, let me give you a brief definition of fasting. Fasting is abstaining from food for the purpose of greater intimacy with God and clarity in hearing from Him, okay? Greater intimacy with God and greater clarity in hearing from Him. Fasting, I want to make this clear, Fasting doesn't make God answer our prayers, okay? Fasting is not some way that we can twist the arm of God. That's not what fasting is. Rather, let me give you the truth of what fasting is. Fast, fasting makes us, listen, more attentive to his promptings and more receptive to his power. Fasting makes us more attentive, attentive to his promptings and more receptive to his power. If you want the power of God this year, I would recommend that you practice the discipline of fasting in 2023. If you want to hear from God, if you want to have greater clarity in hearing from him, are you making a decision about your business this year? Are you making a decision of who do you need to let go? Who do you need to bring on staff for your business? Who do you need to um, encourage? Who do you need to invest in? Are you making decisions in your family? It's prayer. This is, it's fasting. This is the place where you'll gain greater clarity in your decision-making. I'll speak on that more actually today. But, you know, Jesus fasted for 40 days in the wilderness. You guys remember this story. And uh, as he comes out of the wilderness... Luke gives us a description of what that looked like. Luke 4.14 says this, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. In the power of the Spirit. 
and news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. You would think that Jesus would be tired, weary, grumpy, hungry, you know what I mean, because of the fasting. But the scripture tells us, Luke records that Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. And the reason why Luke says this, because it was true, but the scripture, listen, the scripture shows us that there is a correlation in the Bible between the power of God and fasting. There is a connection with power, experiencing the power of God, the power in our prayer and fasting. We see this. If you want to experience the power of God this year, I want you to practice fasting. This morning, I want to speak to you specifically on the secret place, the secret place. The secret place is the place where we go into prayer, and it's just God and us. There's no audience. There's no applause from man. It's just simply us and God. Jesus talks about this in Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 and 6. He says, when you pray, don't go out in the street corners where everyone can see you, because listen, that is where your reward will be. However, when you pray, here's what you should do. Go in your closet and close the door so that no one can see you. And what Jesus and what the Father sees, what the Father sees in secret, he will reward you. What the Father sees in secret. So today I want to talk about the secret place. And I want to begin, this is going to be our primary text. It comes out of Luke chapter 5, verses 15 and 16. Church, here's what it says. It says, yet the news about Jesus, about him, spread all the more, so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. In verse number 16, but, that word but is very, very important because it shows a contrast. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed, or desolate places. Some of your translations say it's the Greek word eramos. The, the wilderness, the desert place, the lonely place. Jesus refused to be a puppet in the eyes of the crowd, and he would withdraw to the lonely place. So I want to talk about that this morning as we begin our Seek series. We're going to go ahead and pray for a moment, and then we're going to dive right in. So church, let's pray together as we um, just posture our hearts to him. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this year. We thank you um, for the work that you want to do in us and through us. Thank you for Radiant Church, Lord. We are a city set on a hill. We are um, a city of light in the midst of a city of darkness, God. So God, would you just um, empower us by the Holy Spirit as we embark on this seek journey, Lord, to really just pursue you, Lord, to reprioritize you, to maybe reschedule some things in our busyness, Lord, so that you might be a priority, God. Father, we pray that you would unlock uh, deaf ears, that you would soften hardened hearts this morning, God. Lord, I pray for someone this morning who is maybe experiencing discouragement, God. For, for whatever reason that is, Lord, discouragement, maybe they just feel like they don't add up as a parent. Uh, maybe it's just a work-related thing. Whatever the reason might be, God, but I pray right now against discouragement in this body today, Lord. Would you encourage those who need it this morning, Lord? There's a, there's, a, there's a busy and a tired mom here who needs to be encouraged this morning. There's a father who's been working overtime here this morning who needs to be encouraged. I speak that out right now. I thank you, God, for encouraging the body of Christ today. You are so good. Your presence, God, is what we long for. I'm thinking of Psalm 34. I think it's verse 18. Uh, taste and see that the Lord is good. God, we want to do that. We want to taste and see. We want to experience you, your goodness, God. And so, Lord, we posture our hearts in humility to you. Come and have your way. Come and do what only you can do. Come, Lord Jesus. Come is the Maranatha cry that we have today. We pray these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Well, have you noticed that there is an increasing pressure for us to live our lives out in public? There's an increasing pressure right now in culture for people to live all of their lives out 
in public. Here's what I mean. Lives that are seen. Lives that are of high visibility and lives of high applause of man. This is what I mean. We all know the psychology of likes on social media and how difficult it is to break away from that, right? This idea that we need affirmation through our likes or our views. It can be a real challenge to break free from this. Just a bit of real talk as we begin this morning. How many times do you open social media not to check up on your news feed, but to check up on how many views you have or to check up on how many likes your post has received? I posted a, a reel yesterday on Instagram and I checked about 17 times in 20 minutes. How many likes? You should be laughing right now, but you're not. How many? First, first service laughed at that. You guys, come on, help me out here. And I, I, put, I checked 17 times in 20 minutes, and it was like, wow, nobody cares what I say absolutely at all. This is amazing. Fantastic. I'm amazing. Wow. And so I'm just like, Lord, I give up on this part of the ministry right here. It's like, wow. And so... The answer, though, listen, it'll be okay. We'll get through this soon. Don't worry. <laughs> Statistically, the answer is pretty staggering. Listen, people check their phones or their social media feeds, whatnot, after they've posted something, a mere 151 times a day, just to check on what the status of their post is. Did you know that our young people are living under a tremendous amount of pressure to live lives publicly? We want more likes, right? We want more views. We need more followers. We need more subscribers. We need everyone's affirmation. We need more applause from others. We need the applause of man, there is so much pressure for our young people right now. Listen, to live lives out in public, to do everything out in public so that others might see. I want to just say this from the very get-go. Society thinks that we do our best work in public. God thinks we do our best work in private. Society thinks that we do our best work in public. God thinks we do our best work in Private, right? There's so much pressure to live lives. In fact, Jesus warned us about the addiction of being seen. It's one of the corrupting forces of the Pharisaical religion, the Pharisees. Let me read to you from Matthew chapter 23, um, verses 5 through 7, church. It says this, Jesus is speaking, everything they do is done for people to see. Stop right there. Because this is the prime motivation of the Pharisees. This should be a warning to all of us. Everything they do is done for people to see. Oh, man. Just like, just close the doors. Let's just go home. I mean, that, ver that, that line right there, it's like, I don't have to say anything else for the rest of 30 minutes. My goodness gracious, the Holy Spirit should slap you up a little bit with that one. They make their phylacteries wide and the tassels of their garments long. They love the places of honor, the banquets, the most important seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted with respect. Nothing wrong with respecting people, of course. We know that. In the marketplaces and to be called rabbi by others. But I want you to see the central focus and the motivation of the Pharisees. Listen, as we look at these verses, what do we see? We see the Pharisees. They love the places of honor. They, they love the most important seats. They love to be greeted with respect. They love to be seen, to be noticed, and to be loved. They love to be loved. They love to be affirmed. Our culture has fallen in love with this. But this is the life that Jesus actually wants us to reject. This is the life Jesus warns us about. Contrary to this, Jesus gives us a vision of the life lived before God. It's a hidden life. It's a withdrawing life, withdrawing from human eyes to be only seen by our heavenly Father. Let me read to you the verses I alluded to just a bit earlier today. It's Matthew chapter 6, 5 and 6. Jesus says, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites or the, the play actors, those who wear a mask. 
For they love to pray standing in the synagogue and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room. He says, close the door and pray to your father, who is what? Unseen. And then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. He sees what is done in secret. Church, here's the issue. The issue is this. Public praise versus private affirmation. Public praise versus private affirmation. This is one of the keys to the kingdom. We all know this, but the reality is, are we orienting our lives around it, right? Are we orienting our lives around it? It's one thing to agree. It's another thing to change the rhythms of our life to embody this. This leads me to my first big idea for this morning, and it's this, that man celebrates public accomplishments. God celebrates private devotion. Man celebrates public accomplishments. God celebrates private devotion, right? I'm not saying it's wrong to be noticed and recognized in public. That can be a good thing. But when we live for that, we must be very careful The public place, listen, makes us feel significant. It does feel good, no doubt. However, it's rarely where we are formed. In fact, listen, the public place actually reveals our formation. The public place, listen, it reveals our formation. I am convinced of this, church, that the reason so many people have public failings is because they have private deficits. The reason why so many people have public failings is because they have private deficits. They have not built reserves in the secret place to handle the weight of public life. Characters haven't been formed, right? They collapse under the weight of influence because they don't have a foundation of character to sustain it. This has been said to me, and I've said it to my staff before, but I want you to hear this. This is really important, church. I've said this to my staff. Your gifting has the potential to take you to places where your character cannot sustain you. So some people say, I want the platform. I want to sing. Pastor Jacob, put me on stage. I want to play. Why am I scheduled more? Why am I preaching already? Why don't I have my own group? And we just say to them, slow down. You have all the time in the world. Your character is being formed. Before you can have the platform, your your character must be formed first. And so some people get upset at us. They get mad. They get offended. They leave the church. And I'm thinking, no, 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 you need to slow down. Trust me. Trust me. That will burden you. That will crush you. It will crush you. Because if your character hasn't been formed, it will never be able to sustain the place where God wants to take you. And for some of you, God is saying, you need to just slow down. And the reason why I'm taking so long is because I'm forming something in you before I can do something through you. And if we would just slow down, But we're such, we're so much under this pressure to live our lives out in the public. You know what I mean? To just have the, the, the real that goes viral. Look at Pastor Marco's post. Oh, that went, oh, wow, that's got three likes. That's amazing. Wow. That's pretty much my social life right there. Our characters have not been formed because we lack time in the secret place where Christ forms us. Dramatic events may get all the attention. I get that, right? They may get all the attention, but listen, devoted lives usher in God's kingdom. It's everyday men and women like you and me here today, listen, living before God, content to be faithful with the small things that bring the world out of, broken, out of brokenness and into God's redemptive love. It's everyday men and women. Listen, can I just tell you, it is unhistoric acts create the world we actually need. It's not the viral snippets, right, and the videos. Hey, I love those. Those are entertaining, and those make me laugh, and I get that, right? But that doesn't necessarily change the world. 
One of our greatest tragedies, one of the greatest tragedies in the local church is men and women who haven't had their characters formed, and instead of running to the secret place, they run away from it. John Tyson once said this. He says, if we don't have rhythms of renewal, we will have exits of escape. We will be men and women who run away from the church, men and women who run away from community, men and women who run away from accountability, men and women who run away from being formed. Because why? Because we're just as offended as the world is. We live lives where we're offended so easily. Let me quickly give you, with the rest of our time today, I got about 15, 16 minutes, 17 minutes, I'll push it, 18 maybe. And I'm tired today, so I'm just being chill. I'm chill with you. But you're getting it, I can tell. I can tell. Three things that happened to Jesus in the secret place, three things that'll happen to you. You ready? All right, two people, sweet. <laughs> three things that happened to Jesus in the secret place. Number one, his identity was secured and formed in the secret place. His identity was secured and formed in the secret place. Or you can say it like this, his identity was secured and cemented in the secret place. Here's what we have going on right now in our world, just in case you did not realize this. Here's what we have. Our world says this, says this you can, you get to define yourself however you want to and invent an identity. And the rest of the world exists to affirm that. Okay? Can I just tell you, this is terrible advice. It's absolutely terrible advice. It's destroying a society. You cannot build a family, you cannot build a society and a life on do whatever you want, do whatever's in your heart, do whatever feels good in the moment. You cannot build a society based on that. The demise of culture is happening before our very eyes. I don't think I'm being an alarmist by saying this either. I feel like this is actually what's happening. If you choose an identity and you have to perform that identity, can I just tell you, it will take a thousand points of validation to keep your identity intact. It will take everyone affirming you exactly the way you need it. It's absolutely exhausting and burdensome to perform an identity. It's true. It's true. It's crushing. So what is the alternative? Well, the alternative is what we see with Jesus. Here's the key. You don't invent your identity. You don't get to just choose one. You receive one. You receive one from who? From your heavenly father. You receive an identity from your heavenly father. Can I just tell you this? I want to encourage you this morning, young people, I want to especially encourage you this morning. Can I just say this? Who God says you are is infinitely better than who you can make up who you think you are. What God says about you is so much better, so much better than how you feel on the inside, so much better than what people think about you. It's so much better than the ways that people perceive you. Jesus, of course, is affirmed. His identity is received in Matthew chapter 3. At his baptism, the Father's voice speaks over him. In Matthew 3, 17, says this, in a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. The Father speaks over Jesus. And by the way, I want you to notice this is Matthew chapter 3, not Matthew chapter 23. What does that mean? That means this happens before Jesus' ministry even begins. What does Jesus need to go out to heal people, to preach great sermons? The one primary thing he needs is to know who he is. Listen, some of you, listen, you're running from the call of God because, listen, you don't know who you are. You're still looking for it, and the Father wants to speak it over you. And the only way and the only place you'll find that is in the secret place. It's not on social media. It's not through what your friends are saying. It's not with what your family thinks is cool. It's only from your heavenly father. You receive your identity in the secret place. 
in the secret place. When the father says, my son, what does he mean there? He means relationship. This is based on a relationship. Jesus is a son. He's not a random person whom I love. Shows the father's acceptance. I love Jesus. I am well pleased with him. Shows the father's what? Affirmation. Affirmation. Jesus receives all three of these things. And his identity is cemented. It's secured. Jesus doesn't have to get his identity from his feelings. Jesus doesn't have to receive his identity from his miracles. Jesus doesn't have to receive his identity from the applause of man because he has it through the Father's voice. And the Father wants to give you your identity if you'd stop running from it, though, right? Stop running from it. If you're here this morning and you're struggling with, like, insurmountable insecurities. Like, can I just tell you, I get that world. I get that. Like, I struggle with insecurity. If I can just be frank with you, like, I have moments where I'm just like, I don't know. I'm, I don't know why you chose me. There are so many other people, like, that are better than this. That I have no idea. Like, I just want to quit. I just want to be done with everything, honestly. Maybe I shouldn't have said that, but okay. You know what I need to do? You know what helps me? You know what helps me overcome this? Not myself. <laughs> it's the secret place. It's where the Father reminds me and says, listen, that's why I chose you. Because in your weakness, I'm made great. Because in your brokenness, I, I receive glory. Because when you're not good enough, I'm everything you need, Marco. And some of you need to hear that voice. Because when you're ready to throw in the towel, you're ready to quit, Right? You don't know what to do. I'm done. You need the Father's voice to speak into you, to speak life into you, to keep you going. That's where you receive an identity. So we receive an identity in the secret place. Number two, the secret place is where you find courage in the chaos. The secret place is where you find courage in the chaos. Look at Psalm um, chapter 3 in just a moment here. This is a Psalm of David, and David is on the run from his son Absalom, right? Absalom is trying to rip the kingdom from David. If you don't know the story, you need to go back in your Bible, in your Old Testament, and read that. It's absolutely fascinating and gripping. And talk about family dysfunction, right? You thought your family was dysfunctional? Just talk to David, right? His own son wanted to take his kingdom from him. Notice what David writes in the first six verses. Such a good Psalm. Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. But you, Lord, you, he's pointing it back to them. So David acknowledges the turmoil. He acknowledges the stress. He acknowledges his adversaries, his opponents. But then he turns it back to God. But you, this is so important, but you, Lord, are a shield around me. My glory, the one who lifts my head high. Praise. Someone say amen. The one who lifts my head high. I call out to the Lord, and he answers me from his holy mountain. God is elevated far above. He's transcendent. I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear, though tens of thousands assail me on every side. Bring it on, says David. Bring it on. I think it's amazing that David's kingdom has fallen apart and that this is not a nice, quaint prayer. <laughs> this is like, he's like crying out, right? I mean, he's in that desperate place. And so many of you have been there. You know, you know exactly what this feels like. I'm just preaching to the choir right now. And I think this is amazing because David accesses peace where? In the presence of God. Peace in the presence of God, enough so that he's able to sleep in the middle of impossible circumstances. Like the dude lays his head down and he's out. How many of us wrestle with not being able to sleep because of racing thoughts? Don't even raise your hand because it's probably every one of you. That's so true for so many of us. Have you ever experienced a peace like this, though, in the middle of your storm? Oh, it's, it's incredible. It doesn't make any sense either, right? It doesn't because it transcends human understanding. Look at Hebrews 5, 7 with me. This is a commentary on Jesus. Hebrews 5, 7 says this. It says, that during the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with what? Fervent cries and tears to the one who 
who could save him from death, and he was heard because of his, because of his reverent submission. I love this because Jesus, I think this is a, a picture of Jesus in, in, in Gethsemane, I think, and that Jesus is there, and at first, Jesus is like, hey, Father, would you take this cup of suffering from me? Because I don't want to go through this. But, but then moments later, he says, but Father, not my will, your will be done. I want, I want your will to be done. Right, so what does he do? He submits to the plans of God. I think that's in that place, though, in that secret place with his heavenly Father. He's given courage to what? To endure the cross. Scorn its shame, as Hebrews 12, 2 tells us. Jesus endures the cross, the joy set before him. Let me say it like this. Power in the public place comes from strength in the secret place. Power in the public place comes from strength in the secret place. Church, listen, if you want to stand strong in public, maybe that's at work, or maybe that's at school, or in the marketplace, or the business that you own, wherever, wherever you may find yourself. If you want to stand strong in the face of your critics, listen, you must draw near to Christ. Where? In the secret place. In the secret place. That's where the power comes from. Finally, number three, the secret place is where you find wisdom and understanding for life's decisions. The secret place is where you find wisdom and understanding for life's decision, decisions. Luke chapter 6, verse 12, one of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray. And what did he do? He spent the night praying to God, the whole night. When morning came, he called to his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he also designated apostles. So Jesus was confronted with some heavy, heavy decision-making who is going to be his 12 apostles? So what does he do? He prays the whole night. He prays the entire night. And by morning time, he's ready. Because why? Because he's heard from his father. He's heard from his father. Let me just ask you a question right now. Do you, do you, do you have a big decision to make this week or this month? Do you have a small decision to make this month or this week? Do you have a decision regarding your family and your schedule? You're like, okay, well, should I work like 28 hours a week or should I try to do 40, but I need to be at home with the kids on this day and you need to be there on that day. But if I only work this much, I'm only bringing home this much and my paycheck. And you're trying to make all these complicated decisions and you're trying to figure things out. Listen, listen, it's the secret place where you get wisdom. It's the secret place where you get wisdom. James 1, any man lacking wisdom should ask the Lord, and he gives it generously, without finding fault, is what the scripture says. Right? How much time have you spent in the secret place with God? Can I just tell you my best ideas come in the secret place? Your best ideas for your business, for your family, whatever it is, listen, it comes in the secret place. I love to read. I read books all the time. Okay? I'm always reading something on leadership, always reading something on theology. Okay? Always. Pretty much always. But my best ideas come from the secret place where the Lord speaks. He guides. He gives counsel, wisdom by his right hand. I always receive my best ideas. Your best thoughts, your best ideas, listen, your wise counsel will come from the secret place. What school are you attending for college? Maybe you're trying to figure that out. Ask him in the secret place. Get to the secret place. I'm too busy, you say. That's an excuse. I'm convinced that that is an excuse. Again, if you have time to eat, you have time to pray. If you have time to eat, you have time to pray. You have time to go to the secret place. I'm too sinful. Maybe you're thinking that this morning. I'm too sinful. Well, guess what? You can go directly to the Father. Why? Because Jesus has granted you access. Come on, someone. <laughs> Jesus stood in your place condemned on the cross so that you could have access to your heavenly Father. So bring all of your sin to him. I've messed up too much, Pastor Marco. Bring all of that, all of your failures, all of your insecurity, all of your sin, bring it to your Father. He's waiting to hear from you. In fact, your Heavenly Father wants you to go to the secret place more than you do. He wants relationship with you. He loves you. He longs to be with you. Bring everything to Him in the secret place. I want to read some of these last few notes 
in my message this morning, as we talk about the hidden life, as we wrap things up, in the secret place, we receive wisdom, right? Direction for life's toughest decisions. The secret place is where our identities are cemented, okay? It's there our identities are cemented. The secret place is where we hear from God in all things. It's the secret place where we find courage in the middle of our chaos. Some of you, you need courage this week, this month, this year. This year is a year of courage. Man, I believe that. It's not the year for the church to shrink back, but it's the year for the church to be courageous. The hidden life, the secret life, that's what God is longing for. Not just public approval, not just public affirmation, not just likes, not viewership, not subscribers, not followers, whatever it is that you do, that you have. And I get it. Well, this is part of my business. Well, that's great. I understand that. But be very, 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 very careful before that steals your heart. What God longs for more than anything is private devotion. No applause from man. Nobody's seeing you, what you're doing at 5 in the morning, 4.30 in the morning. Late at night when the kids are in bed. There's a million things that you got to get done. Dishes got to get washed. You need to vacuum, sort out your clothing, meal prep. I get it. It's a busy life. But will you run to the secret place? Well, your father sees you. There's no applause. There's no affirmation there except from him. There's no social media post. There's no video that goes viral. It's just you and him. God wants Radiant Church to be men and women of the secret place. Will we go there? Will we receive that? Or will we continue to run? Run away from the calling of God in our lives. Run away from serving. Run away from accountability. Run away from community. Run away from godly leadership. Run away from whatever it is. Whatever it is. Or will we run to the secret place? Let me read these things to you as we close. It's the hidden life. Listen closely. It's the hidden life of playing with your kids when you're dead tired and have nothing left in you. That's what the Father loves. That's what the Father loves. It's the hidden life of serving your wife when she's completely exhausted and there's a million other things that you'd rather do. That's what the Father loves. That's what he loves. Nobody sees it. It's not a social media post, but that's what the Father loves. It's the hidden life of prayer and devotion when you want to watch another television show. You just want to watch the football game. That's what the Father loves. It's the hidden life of sacrificial generosity when you'd rather buy another gadget or a newer car. That's what the Father loves. That's what he's asking of you. It's the hidden life of, a, of absorbing criticism without the need to respond and retaliate. That's what the Father loves. This is the secret life that Jesus is calling us to. Men and women who are hidden, not living out everything in the open. Men and women who have power that come from the Holy Spirit. That comes from the secret place where you go to your prayer closet, you close the door, and there you are, naked before Him, humbled in His presence. That's where we receive His words, His encouragement, His identity. He speaks it over us. That's what the Father loves. That's how He forms you. Some of you are not ready for public life. That's why He pulled you away. He pulled you off because you're not ready because the burden of public life, listen, the applause of man will crush you. It will crush you. It will absolutely devastate your life if you allow it to go to your head. Church, may we be men and women who live hidden lives, lives that withdraw out of public eye to the unseen where only our Father sees us and then He rewards us. He rewards us. What is done in secret, God rewards us. That's what He's longing for. That's what He wants. The question is, will we respond? Will we seek after that life? I get it. Everything's pulling and vying for your attention. But Mark, my kids, but my business, but this, but that. I, I get it. I get it. I get it. And I'm asking you to reject living that way. 
It's counterculture. And to begin to pursue a life in the secret place. May Radiant Church this year be a church devoted to the secret place. Yes. Let's pray together. Father, we love you, and uh, we thank you, God. We thank you, God, for the secret place. We thank you that you're calling each and every one, of us, every one of us away to that place, God, that lonely place, that desolate place, God, that, that place, God, the Aramas and the Greek, God, that wilderness place where it's just you and us, God. No applause from man, no likes, no 10,000 views, just you, just you, Father. It's where you speak to us. It's where you form us, God. It's where you hear our marriages, God. God, it's where we're able to forgive others, Lord, in the secret place. Lord, it's where you speak mission and purpose of our lives. God, you submit identity in the secret place. God, you tell us that we're loved, we're known, we're seen. It's in the secret place, Lord. Father, I pray that this group of people here at Radiant Church, God, would be courageous, would be bold, would be radical, God, and they would live lives of hiddenness, Lord. Lives that precede you in the secret place, Lord. Father, would you silence every voice, every accusation right now? Because I know some of my brothers and sisters are hearing the voice of the accuser. You haven't been there enough. You haven't prayed enough. You should read your Bible more. Life will be better for you. It's the voice of the enemy, the voice of the accuser. Father, speak life over your people right now. Draw them, God. Draw them by your tender mercies right now. Father, thank you that you want us in the secret place more than we want to go ourselves. I'm so thankful for that, God, because there's some days I don't, I don't want to go, Lord, and let you call. Prayer can be such a wrestling match at times, God, and, let you, and yet you call. God, we want to experience intimacy with you, Lord. There's life there. We thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Awesome.